Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 4.6 billion. The Earth Forms. Cambrian. 542 million. Complex life explodes. Permian Triassic. 251 million. 90% of species die. Cretaceous tertiary. 65 million. Meteor kills the dinosaurs. 55 million. Primates appear. 2.3 million. Pleistocene. 200,000. Humans Agricultural 250. Industrial revolution. Great acceleration. The Anthropocene. Welcome to Generation Anthropocene. I'm Mike Osborne. Sea level rise is one of the most worrisome consequences of global warming. Estimating the magnitude and timing of sea level rise is difficult, but the truth is, it's time for coastal cities and communities around the world to start paying attention. There are many different potential mitigation strategies. One of them is to restore coastal wetlands. In recent years, folks in the San Francisco Bay Area have been trying to do just that. But, as you'll hear in today's story, there are many challenges. One quick production note, this story is brought to us by Isha Salian. She's been working with the Genanthro team for the past year, and this fall she's going to be starting a master's in journalism. Isha originally produced this story for the Peninsula Press, which is a project of Stanford Journalism. The version you're about to hear was edited by Leslie Chang and me. Here's Isha. A few weeks ago, I woke up early and went to meet a small tour group at Bear Island in Redwood City, California. I was there to learn about wetlands restoration in the San Francisco Bay. Our tour guide was an energetic woman named Vicki Martell. At the trailhead, Vicki showed us a photo taken a year ago at that very spot. But still, what you see is this really looks like a construction site, right? It's just loose dirt. And so this was in March, about four months after they had breached the levee. So, but you can see it's like the water really wasn't coming in yet. Not, not much of it. But now, I mean, it's amazing, right? It's just, it's one year later and the, the tides have really started to, to, to change the landscape. So I'm realizing- Compared to the photo Vicky showed us, the Bear Island I saw was a peaceful yet thriving ecosystem. There were wildflowers, grasses, and pickleweed everywhere, and I spent some time just taking in the sounds of the birds and the bugs. But even out there in nature, it was impossible to ignore how close I was to the heart of the urban Bay Area. I could still see Highway 101 and hear the drone of planes flying out of the San Carlos airport. 
The San Francisco Bay wetlands provide wildlife habitat and service flood mitigation. This will become increasingly important as the threat of sea level rise grows. The wetlands are a critical buffer. They can protect nearby urban communities and corporate tech giants. Here's wetland ecologist John Bourgeois. What makes this project so challenging is that San Francisco Bay is a densely urbanized estuary, right? So we're not doing wetland restoration in a vacuum. We are doing it next to 7 million people. And so we have got highways and power lines and communities and high-tech campuses and, you know, subsided areas and mercury contamination and just the list goes on and on and on about the constraints of trying to do something at this scale. John is the executive director of the South Bay Salt Pond Restoration Project, one of the biggest players in bringing back local marsh. The project has been around since 2003. It's a partnership of state and federal agencies. Its goal is to restore as much of the former Bay Area wetlands as possible by 2030. That's when scientists expect that the rate of sea level rise will start increasing. 2030 may sound really far away, but on an ecological timescale, it's right around the corner. I met John at the Don Edwards National Wildlife Refuge headquarters in Fremont. When I got there, he took me up to a vantage point where we had a panoramic view of the bay. I could see marsh, salt ponds, the Dumbarton Bridge. If I'd had binoculars, I might even have been able to spot the Facebook headquarters on the other side. Standing up at the top of the hill, it was easy to see where urban Silicon Valley had taken over former wetlands. So the Bay Delta Complex is the largest estuary on the west coast of North and South America. So on this entire side of the hemisphere, this is the largest estuary. And we have lost 85 to 90 percent of the habitats through development, through fill, through agriculture, and through salt production. This is not just a locally significant resource. This is a hemispherically important resource. John says his organization has set a very specific goal. Outside of Florida and Louisiana, it is the largest wetland restoration project in the United States. It's over 15,000 acres, uh, which that's an area about the size of Manhattan. Originally, there was over 200,000 acres of wetlands in the estuary. And our goal is to try and get back to 100,000. Now, there's a limit to how much restoration is possible. Entire communities like Foster City and Redwood Shores were built by filling in marsh. So those wetlands, as they were, are not coming back. To achieve the goal of 100,000 acres, there's one big missing ingredient. Money. The longer you wait, the more expensive this is going to get. I mean, these salt ponds are here. They're in public ownership. They used to be marsh. We have the ability to restore them. It's just finding the funding and the political will to make it happen on a large scale and in a timely fashion. Rebuilding the marshland will take a lot more money than has currently been allocated. Well, there's been estimates that it costs like $1.5 billion. So sounds like a lot of money. That's the same price that uh, Levi Stadium cost. So you think about for one football stadium, <clears throat> we could restore and build levees for the entire San Francisco Bay. Last year, the nine counties of the Bay Area passed a ballot initiative called Measure AA. This measure is a parcel tax, a type of property tax that's based on the area of a property rather than its value. Measure AA directs funding to wetlands restoration and was designed to bring in part of that magic $1.5 billion. They put a parcel tax on the ballot last June, and it would be a dollar a month per parcel for 20 years. So it's $12 a year for anyone who owns a parcel in the nine 
county Bay Area. So it was all nine counties. Um, it needed two thirds to pass. It got over 70% passed, so it did pass. Um, ultimately, it's going to raise about half a billion dollars over the 20 year lifespan. That will be, you said, half a billion in 20 years? Yes. Um, and then the number you said earlier was 1.5 billion. Mm-hmm. So where's the other billion dollars going to come from? Yeah. One supplementary funding source they were originally relying on was state and federal grant programs. So the intent of Measure AA was not to fund these projects outright, but to be a local source of funding that we can then use to leverage state and federal grant programs. So that's where, theoretically, that other two-thirds of the money would come from. But of course, the political winds have shifted in recent months. The Bay Area probably won't be able to look to the EPA for support. And this is coming at a time when funds are already tight. Doug Cordell, who's the public affairs officer for the Bay Area's seven national wildlife refuges, has seen the impact of tightening budgets firsthand. Uh, we have a pretty small staff, and um, funding is a challenge. So the, for the Salt Pond Project and here for the refuges in general, we've had to cobble together funding from a variety of sources. I mean, that's been, that's been since day one. Um, and, you know, these are... These are difficult times for federal budgets, for federal agencies, very challenging. We, and it's not new. We've been on a sort of downward trajectory for funding over the last several years. While ecologists and policymakers scramble to figure out how to fund wetlands restoration, local residents continue to enjoy the wildlife refuge at the heart of the San Francisco Bay. Vicki Martell, the volunteer tour guide at Bear Island, says she's been visiting these wetlands for 20 years now. Her connection to this ecosystem has strengthened in recent years, since she started kayaking in the area and volunteering with the refuge. I think mostly it's what I feel, right? It's just so calm to be out there on the water. Um, I do appreciate just seeing these birds, and I've never been a birder, so I didn't really know which ones were which, and I've learned a lot about it, which is it's nice. And it's really nice to see them see the bird population there grow um, because of the work that's been done to restore it. It's really making a difference. The natural systems of the San Francisco Bay are deeply linked to the high-tech urban environment of the region, whether residents regularly interact with the marshes or not. California, and specifically the Bay Area, has a reputation for being environmentally conscious. If funding is already a challenge in this wealthy, eco-friendly area, imagine how difficult it will be for other communities around the world to cope with sea level rise. That was producer Isha Salian. Isha is going to be working at the San Francisco Chronicle this summer. Thank you for that story, and thanks for all the hard work you put into the show this past year. Generation Anthropocene is produced by Miles Traer, Leslie Chang, Jackson Roach, and me. Additional thanks, as always, to Tom Hay. Our project is supported by Worldview Stanford and Stanford Earth. You can learn more about the podcast online at www.genanthro.com. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Genanthropocene. Thank you so much for listening.